Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into Take Command, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. The morning after a 12-7 win, I guess, for the Washington (laughs) Commanders. Logan, we talked about how if not just win or lose right it's more than that it's how do they play and uh the answer offensively was not not great and defensively is is kind of an interesting discussion as well obviously part of the game is making plays when you need to make them and they deserve a ton of credit for that but they give up i think it was 238 rush yards on on the day Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's an interesting game to break down uh, this morning. Definitely plenty to talk about beyond all the other stuff that obviously uh, is going on in Commander's Land. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's a game that's a win, but it doesn't really feel like a win. If that makes sense, like you know, I'm really happy that they won. Obviously, it's really hard to win games in the NFL, but when you look at the offensive production, I mean, Carson was 12 for 22 for 99 yards, like. It was not a very dynamic day for anybody. And and one of the things we were kind of hoping to see is just the offense come to life a little bit. You know, to give the Bears credit, I thought they had a nice third down plan in terms of creating pressure and kind of not just sitting back and kind of what they normally did. And it wasn't like they were bringing anything super crazy, but they obviously studied kind of Washington's protection philosophy and ran blitzes, ran four-man rushes essentially that challenged that. They ran a little cover zero super early in the game or something that played like cover zero. So again, like obviously they understand where Washington's at from a health standpoint. And, uh, you know, I think that was a really big deal. And obviously there was a couple, we'll talk about this maybe more as we go offensively, but Carson, I felt like, um, you know, was inconsistent on the day in terms of finding completions. And uh, there was a couple reads where I thought, man, like, I don't think you're reading the right side of this concept. And some of the stuff that I've been calling for from Scott, you know, just in terms of giving him like, uh, you know, if it's cover two, read this side. If it's cover three, read this side. There was a couple, maybe two or three plays like that. And I felt like there wasn't a lot of consistency there from Carson. Some of that was the pressure that they generated Chicago. But again, like that stuff is um, is frustrating for sure. And, uh, you know, kind of the bright spot of the day is Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson and McKissick. I thought all had a solid performance. You know, I think um, the run late helps Robinson's average. And yeah. we'll talk. I think we can talk in, in more detail about, um, you know, some of the things that from an offensive line standpoint that I would personally change i understand why they're doing them but we can talk about that later in the show and uh defensively i mean 
you know, I'm, I'm pulling, pulling clips for the show for, for today right now. Um, and the thing that stood out to me is that they had some really nice plays, but they're, they were also just kind of wildly inconsistent. Like you, know, you get them to third and eight and then it's a scramble for a first down. And then, yeah. you know, it just, and credit to the bears too. I like what they did offensively from a play action st- uh, standpoint. I thought they put um, fields in a good spot to be successful um, and I'll, for, for most of the day, uh, but again, like against that team, against that offense, you'd maybe like to be a little bit more consistent, but you know, they only give up seven points. So one of them's kind of serendipitous, like the ball bounces off FA about his helmet for an interception, obviously the fourth down things pretty cool, but they kind of, you know, reviewing that man, they really put themselves in maybe like the worst possible situation. You know, they had 12 men on the field. It's, um, third, it's a uh, first and goal from the three yard line. So they really made it about as hard as they could on that first uh, those first couple of drives there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two ways you can look at this. Um, there's like a, and the, the truth is probably somewhere in between, right? But I've been thinking about this, like the optimist view, the pessimist view, right? The optimist view of this game is you took the game plan that the Bears offense would not be able to produce points very seriously. You were hyper conservative on on offense, a ton of running plays, especially early. Um, you didn't feel like you had to press anything. I don't know if they took a deep shot the entire game. Um, obviously, the wind and everything was swirling. Carson, we don't know how his hand was. Um, he's I mean, the one to Curtis. The one to Curtis. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, that's... Two. Yeah, yeah. I guess that is technically a deep one, shot. I mean, that was, what, one. like a 35? <laughs> right, but one. that's still like a 35-year... I mean, that that yeah. ball, that's that's really great stuff from Scott in that situation. Like, he clearly knew it was going to be covered, too. Um, they get Curtis matched up on a linebacker over the seam. Carson does a good job. Like, it, you just got to make the throw slash make the catch. Like, it's a, it's a B, B-minus throw and an F catch. Um, right. You gotta you gotta hit that, but still, it's not like they launched one sixty yards in the air, which True. you know that that kind of like long deep shot wasn't wasn't there, and you know between the wind and Carson's hand and and knowing like you don't need to force that kind of stuff, they they did that, and then defensively, yeah, you bent bent bent, but you never broke, and like you if you want to take that optimist view of it that you just trusted that the Bears could not get it done when it came time to like make the plays. Um, then you go, hey, maybe you kind of plan to win this game. Maybe not 12-7, but something something low scoring, and, and you did. I think the obvious pessimist view is your offense looked completely inept outside of like one drive. Um, you get lucky that they don't catch a punt, and yep. you give up 238 yards on the ground, and, and a decent day for Justin Fields through the air uh, when he's just not that good of a passer. And, and you get lucky, basically, to win this game. And, and I think both both sides have validity again the truth is probably somewhere in between slash it's kind of all of it um right but at the end of the day i don't think you can come out of this game feeling good and i think you come out of this like my my like hey this is a bad football team take uh looks still looks good even though they won yeah i think that's why correct i should say no i think that's why it's tough right because like you know i just was going through these plays and it's like there's more you know i kind of highlight red green uh, you know, red being bad, green being good. And like, when I look at my sheet, it's like a lot of red, you know? And I think, um, again, like the so offense, that how you throw for 99 yards. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's just the offense, it doesn't look like an NFL offense. And I think that's the thing that's that like really sticks out. And, you know, against any kind of caliber of defense, like that's just not going to cut it. The, what they've done the past five weeks is not going to cut it, you know? And I, I, I don't, you know, obviously, like it's hard calling plays in the NFL. I, you know, Scott Turner's job is very challenging, 
being an NFL quarterback is very challenging, but there needs to be kind of a change here in terms of the approach or, you know, you know, we, we talked about this on the pregame show, how, you know, there's kind of a pseudo bye week now after, um, after this. And I think this is a good time for a lot of self-reflection and saying, what do we do? Well, what can we do better? Like, who do we want to be? Um, Cause right now I don't think you're running the ball particularly well. I think you're serviceable there, but it's because you've got three good backs and I don't think the offensive line is elevating those guys the way I think they can. And I think that's a little bit schematic. I think there's some philosophical things there that I would like to see change. But again, like I'm not from this system. I didn't grow up in this system. Um, and then, you know, in terms of throwing the football, it's just like, it's like not even a thing. You know what I mean? Like it's so, yeah. You, here's, here's Carson Wentz's stats in first halves this year. Get like buckle up, put on your helmet. This is going to be a bumpy ride. Jacksonville is 16 to 22 for 171 and two touchdowns in the first half. Like, hollow. that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. You come out against uh, Detroit, uh, nine of 17 for 59 yards. Uh, against Philly, somehow you're worse. You're three of 10 for 24 yards. A uh, bounce back to what you were against Detroit, against Dallas. You're eight of 13 for 50 yards. Uh, Last week, he completed only six passes, but one of them's a big one. So he's 6 of 11 for 151 uh, last week. And then this week in the first half, you are 5 of 14 for 57 yards. Uh, and a lot of those games, obviously, he bounces back and, and has a better second half. But this week, it's somehow worse. Uh, he, he, let's see. If he threw for 99. He had 57. Oh, God, Craig's trying to do math. But I do believe that's 42 yards in the second half. Like, it is brutal and there's just no way in looking at the stats that they should have won this game like these are not winning stats running 53 plays going two of 11 on third down second straight week they have two or fewer third down conversions like you can't win this way and unless you're playing the bears well, uh, on and, a uh, thursday night like you're you're not going to well, I think it speaks to the significance of special teams. You know, like there's this conversation yeah. about special teams being kind of you don't if, if in, a, in an NFL game, you don't want to talk about special teams like you, you just want to be right down the middle, perfectly silent. I know people say, oh, you want big returns like I would almost prefer if, if, if my returner never drops the ball like that's a plus. If we never have like any negative plays, penalties, things like that, that's a more positive year than the guy who occasionally takes one back to the house. Right. So I think. um I think when I look at that, like that's huge. That that is that is the game right there. That right. is the game, right? And obviously the two turnovers in the red zone for the Bears, right? One of those right. is done is a good job by uh, the defense. I think one of those is a little bit lucky, but you got to make the play. You know, the interception I think is a little bit lucky, but it's a little bit lucky. Although FA Obata afterwards, of course, the uh, the British man says sometimes you got to go back to your roots and use your head, use the soccer, soccer skills. So. Yeah. S salute to FA Obata. Yeah. <laughs> a little uh, nice, cheeky nice, response there. Yeah, nice job uh, out of FA. And then obviously Cole on the goal line did a great job. But again, those are, you know, they, they, Chicago, who is a struggling offense, yeah. basically drives the length of the field on you twice. Multiple times. I actually yeah. loved what Chicago did offensively, yeah, like too. from a plan standpoint, from a sequencing, like there's something there in Chicago. They yeah. are just so devoid of talent and fields is obviously miss. I mean, I think Herb Street did a really good job on the broadcast of being like, this is open in the NFL. You need to throw yeah, this ball. Right. And, you know, it, it, as fields, you know, if fields continues to grow, um, that offense could be something uh, and, sure. and routinely put up points in the 20s and like look like an NFL offense or they'll get another quarterback eventually. And, and what they're doing, they, you know, from a schematic 
sequencing, et cetera, standpoint will pay off. And like, that's a good scheme. That is a well-designed, cohesive, you know, unit that they've got. They just don't have a lot of talent to execute. Meanwhile, here, you know, it, it, I said this a couple weeks ago. Um, I can't remember after which game, but it feels like the offense is trying to check boxes. Like they were clearly were like, you know what? Everyone's saying we got to get the ball to Terry's right. And so they kind of <laughs> almost forced touches to him. But right? I mean, he's that's got, what you, yeah. But he's I mean, got, but here's the thing though. Like he's got four tar, or four targets in the game and then a couple of extra carries and things. And like, I actually love that. Like I'm a fan of those forced right. touches, but you also need to design your offense so that play in and play out. Terry's getting looks. And, right. and like, it can't just be on screens. It can't just be on one man shows on a slant where you're telling Carson, you got to throw this bro. Um, like how, how, this offense is so dysfunctional to your point, right? This offense is so dysfunctional that throughout the course of a game, Carson's not finding Terry unless it's like, all right, here's the screen. Here's the end around. Here's this, here's that. And, and that way, like by the time we're late in the game, like Curtis only has a couple of targets. He gets a couple more and ultimately has five on the game. But again, I told you I would scream about this third straight game. Curtis Samuel doesn't have a carry. Like yeah. you're just not like they are, they are throwing darts at, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this as opposed to coming up with a cohesive plan, like an NFL offense should that involves consistently getting the ball to the playmakers. At least that's what it seems without watching the tape from the outside uh, with my level of expertise compared to someone like yours. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I also think that that Bates injury was like sneaky tough for them. I think they wanted to be in 13 a little bit more than they were. I think they had some stuff that they'd shown in practice that, you know, that I can't talk about now, but that, you know, I I talked to you about like when we were doing our pregame show that they couldn't get to. So again, like maybe that's a bigger influence on the game plan than you think. And obviously Bates is a pretty good, like there's a couple of plays in the game where they're, they're in 11 personnel. Um, Cole is the Y and then basically your F tight end is Dax Mill. You know what I mean? And I think that that is, again, I, I, I would like to think that you could get Armani out there and you feel good about it, but obviously they didn't feel that way. So Dax right. is blocking linebackers and Dax, you know, to his credit, stuck his face in there and did a good job. So Credit to him, but I do think that that you know again, like it's just tough. Like this is here. Let's just go through third downs real quick because like that was something that really stuck out to me. So the first third and five, right? It's they bring essentially an all-out pressure and it's a sack on Carson, right? Yeah, first two for, third. I actually have the play sheet of third downs yeah. in front of me. First, first two are sacks. Yeah. So Carson, again, does like or excuse me, Curtis is wide open on like this big out route, but understanding like. I think if you are going to see more, like something I think that could really help this offense, in addition to a myriad of things, is just giving Carson a little bit more control at the line of scrimmage. Like call two plays. Like obviously you're expecting cover three, but if they show some type of pressure look, can we get that like can with the screen? You know, like, oh, hey, let's run, uh, you know, a choice can a slammer screen. And that's the call. You can just can it at the line of scrimmage and let's rock and roll, you know? And I think it would just give you some more flexibility. You know, they miss a choice route on second and five in the next sequence. And then you talk about that third and five where it's a sack. That's a four-man rush. And they are obviously exploiting Washington's protection rules. And you're just like, God, like, can we get something going there? Yeah, Roquan um, Smith comes right up the middle between the center and the guard. And you're just like, guys, how, yeah. like, on a sandwich, you need you need to come together. There's no space in a sandwich. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And and again, like they're challenging rules there, but that's like a kind of a full slide, if I remember correctly. And and a full slide, like that should be picked up. Anyway, and then you know you go to your next 
third down and you run the same play that you ran um, that gets um, uh, Brown his touchdown last week against the Titans. And I like that concept, but it is a very low percentage throw. You know what I'm saying? It's like this kind right. of big box fade. And the concept itself is basically stick. So the, the inside guy runs what amounts to like an out. The number two guy runs this big box fade. And the other guy outside just runs a sit. So if the big box fade is not there, there is nothing in that concept that beats man coverage. So yeah, it's, it's if, a one man show and and Carson throws it and the DB's all over it because he's like, this is literally. And, and this is like when we talk about Scott, sorry to cut you off, but like no. this is when we talk about Scott not having the creativity to get to the stuff that they like from different looks like this is it. It's yeah. the same play out of the same formation. Like, of course, they were ready for it. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So, again, like that's that's frustrating to see that. Um, again, then you go on that two minute drive and it says, Oh, look at them move the ball in two minutes. There's two pass interference calls there that are kind of ticky tack. And I yeah. think Carson's missing throws there. He's, he's misreading stuff. And it's, it, it, that's not, that's not good offense. You shouldn't be betting on offensive pass interference to get you where you need, you need to go. And I think that was, again, like that was the most positive drive of the game. And it's really sustained by Chicago's defense making mistakes that were somewhat borderline. So again, again, you know, like, I don't know. Like that, that, those are some of my frustrations early on in the game. I think there's other third downs. There was the one to Terry for the touchdown where it's like, yes, you like Terry on a go, but in a third and five situation with that much time on the clock, that is a low percentage throw. Is there right. another way to cultivate a higher percentage throw versus that coverage that we'd like? And again, you know, one of the things that other coordinators I've been with have done is they've kind of given quarterbacks multiple options in that third down space to kind of say, we, you know, if it's man coverage, let's check to this. And, you know, Scott's in the headset. He could facilitate some of that. So, again, I, I something needs to change with this team on third down, on first and second down, quite frankly, because they it's just it's such a stagnant group at this point. I'm not saying anything revolutionary here, but to me, that's the story. That's the story. And then the fact that the defense was able to give up all those yards and not give up any points, which was pretty special. So, yeah, that is that was wild because defensively it did not feel like they had a good night. You just kept looking at the scoreboard being like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, that's not going to happen against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and yeah. that's who's, that's who's next. Um, if you are Ron today, like, do you think about making, we talked about this, so, um, I, I'm sure you're ready for this question, but like, do you, do you make a change? Do you do something at OC? Do you, I, I think where we seem to land on the pod and on the pregame show is like your best bet is probably to bring someone in to supplement right. Scott, uh, right. just because you don't know who else is on staff that can do it, which is again, and it, that's not like, that's an indictment. Um, but it is also a reality. Um, but like based off what you've seen, and I know you got to obviously watch the film and all that kind of stuff in totality to have a better, a, a full understanding of like, is this Scott, is this Carson, is this line, is it whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, based off the data available now, are you thinking about making a move at OC? I mean, wh what I would do in, in this week specifically is I would get, I would probably hire like a third party consultant is what I would do. I talked about this on the pregame show. Right. There's a lot of coaches, former coaches, former scouts, uh, that do that. That's part of their service. That's how they make their livelihood now, right? It's kind of a part-time gig. You call them up, you say, Hey, how do we get better on third down? And they'll write you up a comprehensive report in the context and the language of your offense. And I want that information if I'm Ron and I want to make sure Scott hears it because right now what they're doing, it just feels like 
they've got their blinders on. And I, and I, you, so you said, is it Scott or is it Carson? And I feel like one of the things that's happening here is there's enough misplays by Carson that Scott is just able to go. The offense would work. He just has to hit these throws in, in just watching it. Like, I'm not sure right. he's doing that, but that's the vibe I get coming off of it. It's like, you know, uh, you know, he misses the, he misses the choice route to McKissick on second and five, right? Okay. If he hits that, we're in first down territory. We don't even have to worry about third down. Oh, if he hits the roll pass, um, you know, to Gibson in the flat, which he kind of left inside and behind. Oh, look at that. You know, that's a first down or that's a second and two situation. We're okay. Oh, like look at this um, bow concept, right? Where you got the guy sitting down and a dig on the backside and then CO to the other side. If he reads this right, hey, that's a first down. And there's probably six, seven plays like that, that like in the first half, you know, so when you're only running a certain number of plays, like obviously that's significant. However, like when I look at some of these these calls and these plays you're calling, like I still go back to this. Are you doing everything you can to put your guys in the best position to be successful? And like that applies to Carson, that applies mm-hmm. to Scott. And I to me, it doesn't feel like the answer is yes. And I've said that before. Right. Um, but to to Scott, he might feel that like, oh, if 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 Carson just does these five things, the complexion of this game looks drastically different. And I've had conversations with coordinators, multiple coordinators, and Ron, too, uh, who's a head coach, obviously, and they say, oh, the game comes down to six plays, six total plays offensively. And so right. if if Scott's saying, look at these six plays, if we hit these six plays, it's totally different. I, I can see why Ron would be like, okay, I get you. Like, we have to yeah. make that go, though. All right. Well, then that, I mean, I hate this question, but I, like, I feel bad, like a bad host if I don't ask it. Like, do you eventually look at a quarterback change then? Like, Carson yeah. th- threw yeah. for 99 yards. Like, yeah. I know, and, and it, this is especially touchy, uh, I'm sure, for Ron because of everything going on narrative-wise right now. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this post game last night, but he stormed off the podium after being asked about the the part of the ESPN story where uh, it was said that trading for Wentz was a, one, quote, 100% Dan move. Um, and, and, like, I get it from Ron, right? Like, I actually, I don't want to say I want to defend Ron here, but I will at least uh, extend some empathy and understanding to Ron in that, he his whole thing was like these guys pointing back to the locker room deserve better they deserve credit for the, how they've come out and fight everyone's after us but like they come out and they give it their all and right. like i get it from like a pure head coaching like hey we're about what's in the locker room i don't care what's happening in the front office i don't care what's happening with the owner like all that kind of stuff that, that you've talked about like how your view was as a player and i think that plays well in the locker room yeah. I do think that, like, hey, Ron, like, you signed up for this. You you knew, you should have known in Washington, like, this is part of the deal um, with this owner as long as he's here. Um, with that said, um, you know, it, it's specific to Carson, and he's like, I'm the guy who looked at the bleeping analytics, which he loves to talk about how much analytics he looked at, which funny tweet from Brendan Dar, former producer for Kevin Sheehan. He goes, uh, you know, Ron's up there talking about the analytics and how much he loved Carson. And like Carson was the, tw- had the 23rd best PFF grade last year. And he's like, that's the guy I like, which is kind of funny. Um, but in, in, in all seriousness, like have you gone this hard defending Carson, but he's also playing this poorly like there is a political, so to speak, element of this to consider. And I think at this point with the production amongst responsible adults talking about this, if we don't question whether or not a different quarterback could operate this system better, um, then we're not exploring all options for how this team could turn this season around. 
Yeah, and you know, obviously, if I'm playing devil's advocate, right, mm-hmm. for for Carson, if I'm advocating for Carson, and I don't necessarily, yeah. I don't disagree with anything you said. Let me just be yeah. clear with that. I don't if think I'm, they should make a change for whatever it's worth. Yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah. just saying, like, it's worth no. the discussion, even if the sure. discussion ends at no. Sure. And so, so to me, if I'm defending Carson, I'm saying, oh, well, if he hits that ball to Curtis Samuel, uh, you know, up the middle, which which is a pretty good ball, and that should be a catch. That's a touchdown, and that stat line looks drastically different right you know and I, there are enough of those plays in the game where you can re- a reasonable human being can defend what Carson's doing now I just mentioned prior to this probably five or six plays that he didn't do well right so it's this big teeter-totter and that's one of the things about Carson when you watch him in Indianapolis there is very excellent high high-end stuff but there's also kind of the intermediate kind of basic stuff is not good either and now is he supported by the best group right now? No. Like I think everyone can acknowledge like the protection, even yesterday against a kind of it's a kind of tepid pass rush for Chicago, could have been much better. And that's something mm-hmm. that's been true since pretty much week two of the season, right? Yeah. I it's mean, and look, six six different line combinations in six weeks is uh, the opposite of ideal. Sure. And I think again, like that's something that uh, you need to get figured out like who's playing what like what's the best situation what's the best combination at this point i would even consider moving cosme to guard and leaving sadiqan you know just to kind of get some guys some bigger bodies some guys who played a lot and just to see what happens but that's that's a conversation for when uh cosme gets healthy anyway um but i do think that needs to get figured out i think it's negatively impacting the running backs i think it's negatively impacting the quarterbacks it's it's a big deal right mm-hmm. um is it is it insurmountable? No. Like I've seen way worse offensive lines. I think Tom Brady's played with worse offensive lines and been more productive, you know? And so it's just about, again, I go back to Scott and say like, you, you know, these are the limitations for this group, but, and we're still, I think so um, on the, on the broadcast last night, Fitzpatrick was like, Oh yeah, this is a plug and play offense. Like he doesn't kind of fit it to his personnel. And I think you see that every week with this group, right? do things that speak to skill sets, right? Do things that amplify abilities. Don't do right. what you feel is best. Do, do, don't, don't run your offense. Don't be like Mr. Rigid structure skyscraper, man. Like you gotta be an artist here a little bit, right? There's some artistry, like what does Terry do? Well, what does Curtis do? Well, how do we make those guys better? How do we elevate the offensive line? Are there ways we can ch- affect the box count? Are there, are there ways we can fe- affect the angles? I understand this is what your dad did, and I understand this is what you did in Carolina, but it's obviously not as effective as it could be, you know, because right. of because of uh, a rigid kind of mindset towards it. And I think, again, that's something I would – again, we've harped on this for a long time, but I'd like to see that be different. And, you know, to your, to your question about replacing um, Carson, I think all of those factors – are, are, as, are, are why Ron would say, no, I don't want to do that, you know, no, because I are agree. we giving him a fair shake? Yeah. Uh, have we actually given him a chance at success? Like not, not as much as we could have. And that's the thing with the offense. You know, we talked about this in, in specifically with the, uh, the two point plays last week. Like, did you do anything that leverages the skill set of your players? No, you just ran some plays um, or not the two point plays, the, the three plays of the two yard line last week. Right. Also uh, the- mesh on the two point conversion. How about that? Making an appearance. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, which maybe they did run a two-point play, one of their special ones. Yeah. It was mesh. Um, but with – I mean, I also think, like, the memory of Heineke is so skewed by that Tampa game and, mm, like, yeah. what he was at the end of last year. Like, you want to see a guy hold the ball? Okay. Watch Taylor Heineke, too. Like, yeah. same kind of stuff. And so, um, 
you know, Heineke's somehow gotten better by sitting on the bench. Um, and that's just, that's not how that works uh, at the stage of his career that he is in. Uh, he's like 29 years old. Um, he's been around the NFL for a long time. He's not getting better just by sitting on the bench watching Carson Wentz not produce. Um, you know, I think eventually if this season continues to go downward, um, you get, you stop to start thinking about that 70% snap threshold where your three becomes a two that you send to Indianapolis in terms of a draft pick. Uh, and I think eventually you play Sam Howell, but that's, that's later down the line. That's, that's not now. Um, I think you owe it to the locker room to give yourself a shot to get back in it over the next couple of weeks. And then if things continue to go poorly, you sit at like, you know, three and nine or something like that. But after week 12, then, then you're playing Sam Howell and, and you just, eat the you know eat the rest of the season and and focus on development etc cetera, etc cetera. but i i hear you and um i think that that is the the best plan moving forward to simply just try to maximize what you can with Wentz he opens up the uh the rest the areas of the field that nobody else on your roster uh can i mean i guess Hal has got a pretty good arm but that that certainly Taylor who would be the guy uh can't and you just move forward there uh, we'll have a much more in-depth breakdown of the game, obviously, uh, next week. Uh, I'd actually, I mean, we'll have Monday, Wednesday, Friday pods. Uh, maybe we'll have a chance to do like a mailbag or something on Wednesday. We can break down uh, the game on Monday, and then uh, and then Wednesday we can do mailbag episode or something like that before we get ready for the Packers on Friday. So back to regular schedule next week. Uh, obviously, we'll have more on the Snyder story as well on the Hoffman show uh, all week long and, and today as that continues to develop. So check us out three to six on the team 980. Uh, for Logan, I'm Craig. Thanks for checking out Take Command. Subscribe wherever you're listening right now, and we will see you on Monday.